0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the Park Flyer Podcast, I'm Michael from Arizona, and with me always are my good friends, Jay from the hills of Texas, and A.K. Mike in Texas. Hey, we're uh, we're back with Spencer this week, so uh, that's good news. Hi again, guys. We still had money for
2: that in the budget? <laughs> Holy crap, that's awesome. <laughs> I know, well, it's easy he's local. <laughs>
1: oh, <laughs> well, there it, you go. This is coming out of our celebrity budget, isn't it? Yes. I'm, a cheap, I'm actually budget. a cheap date.
0: Yeah. That's right we went to we went to lunch earlier, so um but yeah we were uh last uh, last time I think we were talking about your glider and uh getting it repaired and doing some stuff on epoxies and it's been a really interesting build. Spencer owns this big turbine f sixteen that we've been working on too, and we learned a vacuum bag last time we were talking, so that that was an interesting thing how we uh we kind of got this whole turbine. Uh, you're making gear doors, right?
3: Exactly. Yeah. So the air, the gear doors on the original airplane, uh, I got the airplane second hand, and the gear doors were destroyed. I mean, they were present, but they are just hanging by threads. This airplane is an aviation design F-16. It's uh, 1 in 6.8 scale, meaning that it's just smaller than 6 scale. So to give you a little perspective, it's about 8 feet long and about 5 foot wingspan. I got this thing, and it needed a lot of work, and a lot of the formers... Uh, inside this airplane, which are plywood, by the way, were broken. So they all needed to be taken out and remade. Of course, I go out and buy one of these fancy scroll saws that only people that make fridge magnets and all this other stuff have to have. (laughs) So I buy this ridiculously (laughs) expensive scroll saw. And actually, it's one of the best tools in my shop. (laughs) And I've been making the formers and gluing them in. And that was one thing that we were going to bring up is high soul Mike showed up to my house today. We were working on airplanes, and he goes, "Look, I got my first tube of high saw, which is something I had showed him." So yeah, I did. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that, Mike? Uh,
0: Well, when we were over at um, at Wayne's, Wayne had you know he's the guy that was building that big P thirty eight, and he was doing some work on one of the other airplanes, and he he says, "Oh, this is a good job for high saw." So he walks in his other room, comes out here with this big caulking gun looking thing, and it's got this two part epoxy with this little uh, swirly needle on the front and he pumps through there and glues this these two parts together and it looked like peanut butter almost it does it has a cream color creamy color but anyway he just stuck those two parts together and they kind of held and i was like whoa whoa whoa, wait what is this because you know i mean we we use glues and foamy stuff and so he goes oh well this is what we use for the big airplanes right to to keep the fiberglass and all the wood parts and everything together is this high salt product and it's made by loctite so I was like, "Well, will it work on foam?" And they both looked at me like, "We don't know." You know. I was like, "Well, I, I guess I'll get some and find out." Uh, jumped on Amazon. Believe it or not, there was uh, an applicator that uh, you buy. It's uh, I think it was twelve or thirteen bucks. And then there's uh, I got a bag of these little nozzles, and the nozzles, nozzles are kind of cool. They're, mm-hmm. they're mixing nozzles, so sure. they. You know, I, I my problem is when I mix epoxy, I'm standing there with the fumes coming in and, you know, doing all that stuff. But this is actually like a caulking gun. So you could just stick it way in there. And they, these nozzles come anywhere from, what, like an inch and a half up to about 12 inches. Yeah, exactly. So you can really get back, you know, deep into something and caulk this thing. And it just, it just draws a bead of glue. And uh, so, anyway, I found out a little research. Uh, Spencer and I were talking about it. Come to find out, they, they make like 15 different high sol products. And the one that we have, the one I ordered was
3: 90...
0: 94.62. 94.62. And it, uh, it's a cream color, but they have stuff that, that's in clear. They have a 15-minute, a 25-minute, all these different types of, of these um, tubes. Anyway, it was very very interesting. So I, I showed up today and I was like, "Oh my gosh, check this out!" And I
3: put it all together. He's <laughs> he's like, "Oh, you got yourself some high saw." I was so excited. Never seen somebody so excited about a fifteen dollar tube of glue. <laughs> so it was exciting.
0: Yeah. There's... Now I just have to find something to use it on. So I'm like, ah, I got to find something <laughs> in my shop to you know my preparator to put it put it together.
3: Yeah, it's uh, aerospace grade epoxy, mm-hmm. and they use it a lot actually in full scale airplanes doing layups and and bonding two different composite materials or dissimilar materials together right. has some pretty impressive properties um if you look on the side of your you know tube of epoxy if you buy uh, a tube of epoxy from the store sometimes you'll see it'll say like three ton epoxy or whatever well the rating on this high salt is like three or four or five times that of what we can buy in the store wow so it's really impressive uh when it comes to its compressive strength and its tensile strength and its properties um Another thing too is it doesn't sag it doesn't run like epoxy does, Mm-mm. so it stays exactly where you put it but it, yet yeah, it's, it's still um you know viscous enough to so you can use your finger to make a fillet or whatever right um right. and like you mentioned it it usually comes out of this it's a little we call it a cartridge and it's only like three or four ounces of glue in this cartridge. And they're kind of expensive. at may be 15 bucks a shot. Mm-hmm. But the beauty of it for you is with you being kind of sensitive to the epoxy resins, mm-hmm. you don't really have to come in contact with it because it does the mixing for you as you squeeze right. it out of the gun, which is pretty cool, you know, yeah. for, for a guy like you, you know, I, we use it all the time but with the RC jet world and the Warbird world where we're flying much heavier airplanes, uh, where the loads are much higher than foam, you know, or mm-hmm. park flyers. So it holds up to, you know, an industrial application, so to speak, or even holding real airplanes together. Right. Um, as far as how to use it in foam, you know, I don't really know yet. It's something we're going to have to experiment with. It's expensive and it's heavy. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have to find uh, the, the particulars on how we're going to use it in foam. But uh, it works really well in plywood, holding plywood structures together. So if you had a, a plywood structure, a motor box or something on your foam airplane, it might be it's probably pound for pound the strongest adhesive I've ever come across, and I've played with quite a bit of it. Hmm. Um, and just like you were saying earlier, I think that the Hysol name is more or less the name of that line of adhesives that they make. Mm-hmm. Just like you mentioned earlier, I think they have like an HP-20 and an E-20, um, all these different, you know, ninety four sixty 62 94, yeah, They have, 60. a ton of they them have all bananas. kinds of different ones. And, and you can get on their website or do some research and figure out what glue might be best for your application. Mm-hmm. Some of them are clear. Some of them are kind of... Cloudy looking, you know, kind of a clear, cloudy look. Right. Um, some cure faster than others. 9462 takes about two hours or so to set up. Uh, I wouldn't handle it for probably five or six hours, and then you're going to get full cure overnight. So it, it's not an instant adhesive, but we typically notice that. The longer something takes to dry, the stronger it is. Well, so. and this is for
0: bigger applications than just, <laughs> yeah. you know, putting a magnet into your, you know, foam airplane. Exactly. I mean, but I'm the sure the magnet will never come out. Yeah, the magnet will never. <laughs> the foam will dis- disintegrate <laughs> right. around the magnet. But. So tell us a little bit about this big turbine because, you know, I've mentioned several times that we were able to kind of come over and see you fly one. And you you have several,
3: right? This I do. Is the, it's one of five, well, actually, yeah, one of five so turbines. I've gone out of control over the last couple of years. <laughs> I kind of dabbled in turbines like 10 years ago and, you know, which is me being early in my career and kind of busy and going to school and that sort of thing. I really didn't have the time to get into another facet of the hobby because as I mentioned on the last podcast, I've done almost everything from regular nitro planes, electric park flyers. I've flown all kinds of them, Um, big time helicopter pilot. You know the turbines, the ducted fans, the warbirds. I mean, I basically, I'm gonna fly everything. If it right. flies, I'm I'm good to go. Except for an autogyro. I'm not a little about those. There was a guy at the field that brought a couple of those out, and he would kind of wallow around with them, and they did okay. But I I don't know if I have any interest in that.
0: But I don't know. I have one, so I'll bring it. Next oh, do time. you? Yeah, I do. Right. Jay got it for me actually.
3: I think maybe the reason why I don't like them is because I when I was a kid they had this. Um, I don't remember what they called it, but it was basically a kite, but it was a profile plastic helicopter with weighted plastic blades and you had to hold this thing in the wind to get the blade spun up in an auto rotation, then you'd let go of it, hold the string, and it would fly like a kite. Okay. Well, I don't know what I was doing and I didn't understand the principles of like gyroscopic precession at seven years old. Sure. And I think I moved it and it tilted and hit my arm and like almost broke it. It was the most painful thing on the planet. <laughs> almost broke your
1: arm. Plus he was seven, so everything's magnified by about twenty.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, like broke the skin, and oh, these yeah, things are yeah, big, no. heavy blades. So no, I mean, no, Ryan really, has big, heavy blades, too. It would definitely smoke. hurt Holy smoke. So, I mean, I think anything like that. Like, yeah. Yeah. If the wind's just right, he can set it out there, and the wind will slowly get the blades going, and then he can add the power and get off the ground. But usually, if it's calm out, he's got to go park it at the end of the runway and go right out there, and he kind of twirls it with his fingers to get the blades just slowly moving, and then he yeah. kind of slowly gases it up, and, the blade, and eventually, you know, the thing gets going, and... He flies these things around. So yeah. I guess they're kind of cool in their own way, but Jay got me. a lot of We've work.
0: flown it a couple of times <laughs> and I think I've repaired it at least what three or four times. So.
3: All right. So back to this uh, F-16. All right. So, yeah, I was saying that, that this thing is a, a refurb job. So I, I don't know what it is, but I like to take these airplanes that are like ready for the dumpster or their rags and um, use my repair skills and po- composite skills to structurally uh, make them sound again and then, You know, fix them, do the body work, do the Mm -hmm. painting. And then by the time I'm done, my ultimate goal is to have it essentially as light as it was um, or within a couple of ounces, which isn't much for a a 40-pound airplane, uh, as it was originally. And where it looks great, it's got a new set of paint. And um, so that kind of ties into what we're doing. We're making those gear doors. And we're vacuum bagging these between some carbon and some honeycomb foam material, which is made for vacuum bagging aerospace parts. And then just also, we've got some regular fiberglass cloth thrown in there. So, yeah, well, they, we popped them out of the bag. They turned out pretty good. So I got to go trim them and fit them in the airplane and hinge them, and hopefully, I'll have gear doors that'll that uh, they'll work really well. The problem I was running into on this particular project was. The F-16 has pretty good-sized gear doors. The whole bottom of the airplane essentially opens. And, you know, a a turbine model, when you put the gear down or up on, you know, takeoff, landing, whatever, um, it's not uncommon for you to be right around the 100-mile-an-hour mark during the gear cycle because some of these airplanes, you know, rotate off the ground and lift off at 60, 70 miles an hour. And by the time the gear finish retracting and then the doors close – you know, you're probably doing 100 miles an hour. These things are so high performance. So they need to be really rigid. And that's why I laminated that foam, that honeycomb inside of them is to give it that stiffness that they need so they don't distort. Because if they distort, they might not close properly. So this uh, foam that he's talking about is from a company called ACP
0: Composites. And it's called the Aromat Soric, S-O-R-I-C-X-F. So aromat Soric fX and it's uh basically it's a flexible honeycomb foam that adds structure and thickness to your composite laminates. It is really an amazing piece of material when we went over to the Wayne's house he had made a whole set of wings with it mm-hmm. so it 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 was pretty amazing and these wings were super light,
3: very very strong yeah it's a- A lot of people that fly these planes, um, and it's even finding its way into the park flyers and the smaller airplanes, just as the technology advances Mm -hmm. is, um, a lot of people don't understand what go into actually molding and building these composite airplanes. You know, you buy this, this airplane now, like even a Habu, right. Which is a park Mm -hmm. flyer, so to speak. Sure. Uh, they make them, they start out as foam, right. And then as a technology and demand, uh, climbed, they started making them out of all composite, right? They're fiberglass, and they've got carbon in all the right places. So you guys will notice as you continue to buy these airplanes and then unfortunately ultimately crash them because they all have an expiration date. We just don't know when. <laughs> uh, you're going to get to see these things from the inside out. So when you do, take a, the opportunity to to look at how they actually built these things. Um, so back to the foam, what they used to do in, you know, olden jet days and before even jets were just ducted fans where you had nitro engines, right? And you would take a, a foam core and you would hotwire it just like a Zaggy or any other wing that kind of like what we have now. And then you would laminate uh, balsa sheeting on top of it. And that would add the structure and the strength. And then you'd fiberglass on top of that to give it a paintable surface. And then there you have a wing. Hmm. Well, all that foam in the middle basically just acts as the mold but once right. the plane is, um, you know, balsed up and fiberglassed up and painted, the foam is just dead weight. It doesn't add anything for the structure, right? If you just take the right. foam it's out, a it's mold. a floppy noodle. Yeah, right. So now they figured out, well, we can take a very small amount of foam and sandwich it between two layers of composite, whether it be carbon or fiberglass. And we can get the same strength, but with half the weight or a third of the weight or whatever. So now... They, they were doing that with, um, you know, balsa, where they're laying down the balsa and then the fiberglass on top. Right. Then they got to the point where they were using balsa as the sandwich. And then now as technology has advanced, the company, like you just mentioned, uh, manufactures a product that would replace the balsa in between two sandwich layers of fiberglass, where it's lighter than balsa, if you can believe it, but yet still acts as a, spacer between those two layers of glass which is what adds all the strength hmm. so you know it's just as technology moves forward and these products uh become cheaper and more available we're going to start seeing it in more and more of our smaller airplanes that we fly at the park or whatever because um i've noticed lately that a lot of the technology in these new airplanes is is really get getting good you yeah know? yeah yeah having a a, a composite airplane five or 10 years ago was a luxury only for the big airplanes sure. it was the expensive, right? Composite RF was like, seemed like the pinnacle of, of airplane model airplane construction. And now you can go buy a, a park flyer from hobby King. That's all composite and beautifully done really um, for essentially the same price as almost a foam airplane. That's really kind of interesting.
0: Yeah. Jay, what is the one you have Jay? The little jet, the yellow and black one that I was putting together. The jet
2: that I have? Um, well, I was going to say, which one? Which one are you talking about? It's a Hobby King. Yeah. That one's all composite. Oh, the little small one. The little but it's
0: small like one a that 50, I have? It's a 50-millimeter jet. Yeah, that one's all Yeah, composite. so that's my point Absolutely. exactly. It's, uh, called it used to kind of be,
3: kind of like I, I said, try. reserved for these giant airplanes or expensive, whatever. Um, and now we're flying around 50-millimeter composite airplanes. It's kind of cool. Right. Um, it's cool to see that the technology kind of evolved from... And really, this stuff stemmed from full-scale aviation, and then we—they were doing the same thing. They were building airplanes, real airplane wings, out of these giant uh, foam panels that they had hot wire, like a long right. easy or a very easy, right, or some of the Rutans airplanes. And I think kind of Rutan was one of one of the first pioneers of of eliminating the foam core and being able to do what we call a hollow mold, right, where you'd mold the two halves and then join them together it's and awesome. still get the same strength. So it's kind of cool to see it manifest itself and to our hobby
0: yeah that would be it it's the uh micro edf from hobby King. electrolyte it says yeah yeah the electrolyte that's it but uh yeah when i was out there last time we were putting that thing together and and it's uh it's all composite and right it, and tiny right 50 oh yeah it's 50 nothing. millimeters really tiny and it does like 100 miles an hour <laughs> See? so but the the bad news is though when I was working on that, I mean, I think if I was to go back to Jay's place and work on it today, I, I know so much more now. Yeah, there you go. I I, I know that's so little. much more now about the composites. You know how cool that is! I know that I think it would be a lot easier for me to work because I got to a point working on that thing where I was like, "How do I even attach?" Right. Look at it, the motor is just. Tiny. Oh, that's a cool little fan. Yeah.
3: So the little 50-millimeter fanny is holding up, and it's got like eight blades blades on it. Yeah. It's 30.
0: But I I, I think um, when I originally put that thing together when I was down there, I I got to the point where I was like, okay, I've got to start putting two composite pieces together. And and it doesn't make sense because there's – unlike foam airplanes, which have a cutout where you send it down in there, Uh this is like you actually have to put it on top of the other one and make sure that it's all sitting correctly. Okay. So So like interlaps and – yeah, so it would be just like you're setting two parts on top of each other. It has, you know, you're just kind of gluing them together. But I think I got to that point and stopped. Um, I just needed some more direction. But now that I've been hanging out with you, watching you build this big airplane, it seems kind of not not as big of a daunting task, I guess sure. is what I'm going to say. But so one of the things you did with this airplane is you are are paying very close attention to detail. I mean, you're trying to make it as much like the
3: real f-16 as possible right well that's the idea to a point i mean um so for those guys out there that do scale stuff on the side you know there's no limit to how close you can make something to the real thing Mm -hmm. i mean to the point where you can almost drive yourself batty because you could constantly chase these minor details to the point where you could spend a lifetime recreating the real thing in a smaller package but um you know this airplane is an older airplane i think that This kit was purchased in 2002, if you can believe it. Wow. So the plane's over 15 years old. Yeah, that's... Which is, you know, a dinosaur in today's term, especially as fast as, like, we were just talking with the hobby evolving. Yeah, it's evolving real quick. Um, But this airplane, unlike the planes now, was not molded with all the detail in the surface of the airplane. So, again, another evolution, like... uh, in regards to the jets is you used to have to build your jet, right? They'd send mm-hmm. you foam core wings and a fiberglass fuselage, like the yellow aircraft line. And then you would have to put all, put these things together and glue all the formers in and fiberglass your wings and paint and, you know, pretty labor intensive. And then people started molding composite airplanes. So like my F-16 is all fiberglass and carbon fiber cloth with the exception of the formers inside, right? The internal structure, the bulkheads, the engine mount, that sort of thing. And now, uh, you know, and there's no surface detail on it, except for, you know, they got some panel lines here and there to kind of jazz it up a little, but they really didn't go crazy with it. And now the airplanes that they produce, um, you know, like SkyMaster in particular does a pretty nice job, that they, when they make the molds for these airplanes, they put every single rivet in the correct place, Mm-hmm. Um, all the probes and antennas, static wicks, lights, everything, all the detail is built into the airplane so that way you don't have to sit there and do the riveting. Like you were watching me do with the uh, mm-hmm. soldering iron and the brass tube and literally you have to map out each one and burn each one into the primer that's on the airplane. Uh, it all comes done. So, and literally you you don't even have to paint them. They do a good job of painting them over there at the factory and they show up and they're ready to go. So, you know, it's a lot more convenient than it used to be and it's more inexpensive. They're producing these things over in Asia where labor costs are cheap and they're they're the quality at first. And this has kind of happened with not only park flyers, but like ARFs. Everybody remembers when ARFs came out if you've been in the hobby for a while and the, the first generation or two of ARFs almost ready to fly is they were really poor workmanship because they hadn't had it figured out over there yet. You know, they were sourcing Asian labor to do these things and they'd show up and the wing would fly off because they forgot (laughs) to epoxy the main (laughs) spar of the wings, you know? And so they really are getting this stuff figured out. And now just like Jay showed us there's a little electrolyte, I mean, you have this 50 millimeter jet that shows up, it's painted in the mold. It was just something that we were talking about on the last podcast so the paint job is actually part of the airplane. There's not a seam on it. It looks beautiful. Right. Yeah, um, it's super strong because of the composite materials that they're using, and um, and it's affordable. I mean, this is all. So it was affordable. How and much it, was it? And,
1: and and it doesn't fly yet. Right.
3: Jay? That's right.
0: It hasn't flown
2: yet. But- <laughs> no,
3: it's it's still
1: in the
2: box. <laughs> so not yet. Not How not much sure. did you pay for that? Uh, I think I got it for uh, on sale from
3: Hobby King for fifty bucks. Yeah. Fifty bucks. That would have been a pipe dream. Think about. It. Oh that yeah, that would have been a pipe dream. The and have it came that. with the motor and stuff too, right, Jay? For, like, like all the stuff ten years ago. No, no doubt. Ten years ago would have been yeah. a pipe dream. 10 so 10 Spencer, I, I got a question for you. So, yeah.
2: I, I'm with how things are, technology is advancing, and just like everything you're saying. So have you seen? This is something that me and Mike wasted. I don't know a good two weeks about. Okay. Which, uh, <laughs> talking about turbines, and that was. Now they're using foamy. They're they're coming out with foamy turbines. What do you think about that?
3: Well, it, it's again, that's another way for people to get into a different facet of the hobby that used to be exclusive for those that were willing to put five to ten thousand dollars in an airplane. Now mm-hmm. somebody can go out and buy an airplane that requires really no building skills. Right? These are foam airplanes that glue together and snap together, screw together, whatever, just like what we're used to except they're built around a turbine, a very small turbine engine. Um, so unfortunately, there's this bell curve, though, right, with anything, where if you make it really small, it becomes really expensive, and if you make it really big, it's really expensive, and somewhere in the middle is the cheapest. But, um, you know, they're producing these really small engines, which are actually as, as expensive as the larger ones. But uh, now you can put these in basically disposable foam airplanes, and they come almost ready to fly, and you can go fly them. I mean, they're still not cheap, right? We're still talking turbine engines and that sort of thing here. But I believe HSD has a Viper Jet and an F sixteen F sixteen Yeah. Um, and these things are available, I think, for somewhere around the lines of three grand, ready to fly. Yeah, I think ready it was twenty yeah, twenty, 20, 20 three and five, yeah. depending yeah, so on what right twenty eight five, in, five right or something ballpark. Plus, yeah. Which yeah. yeah. Ten years ago, you couldn't even get an engine for that. Right. So right. again, um, you know. Asian Labor does it again. Well yeah. and Hobby Here King just are.
0: announced their new they have they're gonna have a new turbine coming. Oh really? Out too. Yeah. They just uh, actually sent a, sent it out to look at a couple of guys are gonna review it. Um, but they, they do have one or two right off the assembly line. We don't know a price on it yet, but if it's like anything else, you know, who knows?
3: Well that'll be really interesting. I mean the, the biggest concern with that is reliability, but if it runs reliably and it performs, then great. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that we've noticed even with Hobby King products or some of the Chinese products over the years is at first, you know, that was the price was right, but the quality wasn't there. And sure. we're watching the, the quality is actually creeping up to uh, really American or German or Europe standards. But um, the price
0: is going up too, though, so.
3: Yeah, a little, but not like. <laughs> it's not crazy, but it's yeah. I mean, it's still cheaper, but it's, you know. You really
2: don't have any concerns about pushing foam to almost 200 miles an hour?
3: Okay, so the little F-16 that we're working on, which is EPS, right? Polystyrene beer cooler foam. Mm -hmm. Um, Somebody clocked mine. It was doing like 120 miles an hour or so. That's moving pretty good for beer cooler foam. Um, So we've noticed that some of these foamies, um, I think like the, what is it, the rare bear that? Horizon mm-hmm. was selling. right? You know, a pretty stiff little thing. They put this hot rod motor in there that was over 100 mile an airplane out of the box, and it was all foam. Hmm. So, yeah, the technology is getting better to where these things can handle that sort of, you know, speed and that stress. So, depending on I, – I haven't got my hands on an HSD. I haven't actually flown one. I think I've seen some at a couple of jet rallies, and mm-hmm. I, maybe I was just so busy I didn't have a chance to take a look. But um, – I don't know. I I know that the HSD airplanes are probably doing around the 150 mile an hour range, which is I would say mid speed for the jet world. But um, hey, they seem to be holding together. People are happy with them, and I think you can get a new airframe fairly reasonably. You know, six seven hundred bucks. I think get you a new airframe. Yeah, And box, that's again, that's something that before was never possible so maybe it might get more people into the turbine side of the hobby i I don't know
1: what i really like about the eps idea or foam planes is that because if you get it going like 120 150 miles an hour and you crash it it's even more spectacular
3: (laughs) (laughs) you mean it turns to snow that's right it's 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 snowy (laughs) where is it look for the cloud there it is exactly (laughs) for the cloud
2: no well what i was going to bring up was uh the fact that now that it's so affordable, you know, they're bringing the the price point down so low. Where before, like you said, jets were so expensive that they were out of the realm for most people. Sure. But now, wow, $3,000 and you can get into this. So I'm thinking, you know, where you're supposed to, you know, by the AMA, if you follow AMA rules, you know, you should go get an instructor, learn how to operate a jet, then go fly it and get certified. That it's so cheap that people are just going to be showing up don't know crap about jets, the equipment, and trying to get the stuff to work, do you think that's going to be a problem, that more people are going to get into it, not caring to read the instructions?
3: It it may, but hopefully there's not enough people out there that have three grand that they are willing to throw away. You know, there's a certain point where there's a price point where people have the kind of disposable income, and we kind of saw this happen with drones. So drones, when they first came out, right, they were these expensive things, right? Anything new is... uh, the technology is, you know, state-of-the-art and, of course, therefore expensive. Um, so, at first, when we had drones, people were flying these things around, trying to go long distance or do aerial photography or how high can you go, whatever. But they had, you know, two grand, three grand tied up into these things between the downlink and then getting the live video and everything else. And, uh, and again, now you can go out and buy these things literally at Walmart mm-hmm. that have cameras and You know, they talk to your phone via Bluetooth for under $100, and now you have Yahoo's out there that aren't spending the time to research what they really have and, you know, possibly the problems with operating one of these things, you know, let's say near an airport or somewhere where it could endanger somebody. Right, right. So I think that as long as they are in the thousands of dollars range, hopefully people will take it a little more seriously um, where it's not really a toy. But I think that if if the price ever were to come down to the point where it was a disposable toy, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, you could have that problem. It will be interesting to see what happens and see how inexpensive these actually wind up becoming.
0: Now, I I have a question because, you know, the jet world, like you said earlier, has been kind of relegated to those who had a disposable income that could afford that kind of thing. And they've been in their own little world for many, many, many years. Uh With the fact that we've got now somebody who can put three grand into an airplane and show up at the field or at a event that these guys hold, because I know what is it? Best jet, the best West, in the West, best is, in coming, the West yeah. is coming up. Mm-hmm. So you, you know, literally I could show up to the best in the West with a foam airplane that has no, you know, effort put into it right. with a turbine, And I can actually li- literally go fly around with these guys. Do you think that, in the world of RC, that you that we're going to see a, I guess a clash, or do you think that there's going to be some? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just see that you know this is an elite thing, and all of a sudden now we're letting the
3: common man kind of do it. I, I hate to say it that way, but you well, know no, it's it kind of like what every, it is. You know, and, and actually, it's it's happening right now with the true RC guys like us true. and the drone guys, yeah. the government and the FAA are looking at anything that flies remotely as a UAS, right? Mm-hmm. A mean, aerial system. True. And they're putting us all in the same basket, not realizing that the RC flyers that have been doing this since the 20s and 30s, you know, via control line and then ultimately RC. Right. Um, haven't had, there hasn't had... Uh, an accident that involved a model airplane and a full scale airplane in the last 70 years, 60 years. And now all of a sudden you've got these drones everywhere and they're filming airliners landing at airports. And you and I, I haven't seen one at work yet. Maybe you have, No, I haven't seen one, but I've flown with guys that have told me, Oh yeah, I saw a drone, you know, a couple of weeks ago coming into whatever airport. So just to your point that as the price point comes down and it becomes more available to more people, um, unfortunately, those sorts of things happen where they don't take it seriously. It's a, you know, it's a toy for them, right? and they're going to go out and play with it and not do any of their research. So I, I hope the turban thing doesn't turn into that, and I don't know if the price point will ever come down low enough for that to happen, but there is going to be a little bit of that um, – I bought this foam turbine and I'm going to show up and fly with all everybody else and not really have the skills to fly a normal pattern with everybody else. And, you know, you got to understand that a lot of these guys have a lot of money invested in some of these airplanes. I mean, I've, I've flown an airplane that was a friend of mine's that was worth 70 grand. I mean, that's a lot of money to be <laughs> wow flying with that's other people, friend. you know, where that you could have a midair and it literally wipe out six figures in yeah. an instant. Right. Yeah. So you, if you got some, guy, I
0: need to borrow some money, Jay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay, Spencer. Uh, right. I just want to let you know it's okay. You can dra- you can fly the dragonfly when I come. Next time. <laughs> so you got these. Oh, I don't have a seventy
3: thousand dollars. I trust right? you. I Every trust man's you. got his limitations, right? <laughs> but, exactly. Um, anyhow, you know you're out there flying this investment, which is fine if that's what you're into, right? Everybody's got to sure. spend their money somewhere, and. Then you got a guy that shows up like you're, to your point where mm-hmm. they don't have the training, they don't have the experience, and they're out there flying around in a haphazard pattern. And they're you know we we all fly with those guys at the field that are kind of wild, and uh, and that's not a bad thing. It's just you know that maybe their skills aren't quite developed enough yet uh, or whatever. But now you've got this you know guy all over the place, and then you're trying to keep your nice airplane from crashing into his. And then I can see the the tension rising quickly.
0: Well, yeah, especially, I mean, just <laughs> really? to, to think about what you just said, you're flying a $70,000 jet and I'm flying a $2,500 jet right. and we and I run into you. Right. So so now, oh, how, how's that?
3: Hap- it already happens. You know, you got a guy with, uh, you know, all my stuff is usually the f- in the five dollars to $10,000 range just because by the time you buy an airframe and turbos sure. and an engine and everything sure. else that goes into one of these things, you know, you're going to have probably at least five grand into one. Um, and then I'm out there flying with, uh, you know, these guys that are flying really these museum quality airplanes, right. Um, that they pay people all over the world that have just incredible modeling skills to put these things together and they add to detail and you know, all the lights work and the canopy right. opens and the air breaks and the pilot's head moves. I mean, it's like, where does it end? <laughs> You know, and you're flying with these guys, and if you get close to them, or they get close to you, or whatever, I mean, they, you know, they get pretty excited pretty quickly. Which, unfortunately, we're all out there to have fun. But I get it. You know, if you got that kind of money tied up in one of these things, you don't want some Yahoo to.
0: No, I agree. Take it I down. Mean, so. Well, I mean, I have money tied
1: up in smaller. Parts. I'm a Yahoo, just like the rest of them. But I. We couldn't, all, couldn't even We get, are all I,
3: Yahoos. I,
1: I, I couldn't. I couldn't muster up the energy or the or the mindset to even put my plane on the tarmac. When a guy's flying his plane, that's worth seventy thousand. It's like, yeah. uh, just the fact that mine's on the edge of the runway, like yes. maybe distracting the plane. I don't know.
3: <laughs> well, but you're respectful, playing, right? Yeah. I mean, you're already thinking uh, about I guess, those things. There are some I, people I just, that will go out there and they will not give it a second thought, and you know, and that's anyway.
0: No, yeah, that's true. Source so. of conflict,
3: but um, no. Some of these planes are really neat to watch fly, and. When you look at them and you see them on the ground, it, I appreciate it as a builder because I do a little bit of building. Um, I'd like to get into it more, but I do appreciate the amount of work that goes into these things. They're absolutely pieces of art, and it's fun to watch them fly and, and that sort of thing. So,
0: Well, that, I mean, this is true because I mentioned on a couple of podcasts before that uh, Spencer invited me over to go to Brian's, and Brian's got some museum-quality I, I walked up to the I think he's got a uh F100 I think or something or or maybe it's some other kind of jet. Anyway, I walked up there and I was literally looking at it really an F-104 close.
3: Starfighter 104
0: maybe and uh I was amazed because it's all like literally looks like aluminum. Yeah. I mean it is just all polished and everything and I said, "Wow, this thing is all aluminum." He goes, "No. <laughs> it's just painted that way."
3: Well, they they, they do have some uh, where they actually put aluminum on it and burnish all the rivets in, yeah. And then they also have a metal morph process where they actually ionize aluminum to the airplane. It's this proprietary process that some guy charges an ungodly amount of money for. But the whole point is, is that you're putting real aluminum on the surface, and then you can polish it just like mm-hmm. real aluminum, and your plane looks just like the real thing because yeah, it really is the did. real thing. You have it a was real amazing. aluminum-skinned airplane, right? So, pretty cool. Again, I appreciate all that stuff. I'm not sure if I'm going to go quite to that level. But I, I can see myself doing maybe like an, a Sabre that way. Sure. An F-86 would be pretty sure. cool to do it. But, yeah, I just I don't have the time for that. So. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to have to stick time, with the more resources. basic airplanes. Yes, but, um, no doubt. Well, you know, I mean, I'm sure at some point in my life I'll have more time to spend on this stuff. And sure. I'd like to get into that. And it's not just restricted to jets either. You know, you go to... Uh, some of these Warbird events where these guys recreate. Uh, there's a really cool bomber that, unfortunately, I don't think is lo- around anymore. It crashed. But um, this bomber, the way the guy had made it, actually had parts of the skin curled up and open. You could actually see the inside structure of the airplane oh, as okay. if it got shot like in World War II. Oh, so the skin is that. all peeled up, and you yeah. can see the green primer on the inside. I like, mean, it really, a bullet, like it had yeah, a bullet it through had it? Like a, I don't know a baseball-sized hole in the wing, wow! And the guy would fly it around like, like you know this way, and that's kind of cool because of the story and the history yeah, behind sure. it. So you know, I, I appreciate that. And the warbirds are neat, and the jets are neat, and it's it's kind of a cool way to re- recreate the. Now you the mentioned whole in the last aviation, podcast, but
0: you so. you just got a new uh, warbird as well, didn't you?
3: I did. I got a composite RF P fifty one. So it's brand new, hasn't been touched. Sit in the garage, and I've got like. I don't know, two or three projects ahead of it, unfortunately. But <laughs> I am looking forward to having, you know, I mentioned in the last podcast that I've done almost every fast of the hobby, and Warbirds is one that I really haven't done a whole lot in. I I'd had a couple of little ARFs uh, in the past where I'd flown them around, little Mi 109, mm, P-51 right. stuff that you put together in a couple of weekends and go fly with a nitro engine on the front. But this is the first real, um, what I would consider, a serious scale model, you know, where you right. could actually, like, hang it in a museum right. if you spent some time on it and make it look really convincing. So I'll start working on that and get that going. But um, it's just smaller than quarter scale, and a, I'm going to throw a 100cc uh, desert aircraft engine in it, and yeah, it'll be pretty cool. So This thing's
0: – by the way, this thing sits, like, in the back of my truck. It's the length of the bed of my truck. <laughs> they, are they are big. Yeah, it's really? pretty big. Wow. Yeah. It's huge, Mike, you would not believe it it's the fuselage on it has its just has its own box right, and yeah. actually the nose cone actually has its own box, so it came in like <laughs> two or three different boxes,
3: yeah, for those of you for guys parts. that fly like giant scale aerobatic airplanes, you know the the edges and the extras and the slicks and everything else, you know once you start buying these thirty five percent airplanes and you and it obviously goes bigger from there uh yeah, your planes come in boxes. That you can't all put it in one box anymore, and that's when you know you're starting to get. So you order this thing, and you get like six giant boxes on your you know, at your front door, and one's the cowl, and one's the wings, and one's the fuselage, and right. one's all the other parts put together. And uh, it kind of cracks me up because my old neighbor in California, uh, back when I was a kid in school, built a an RV, a home-built real airplane. Right. And a semi-truck shows up with all these crates. So it's like the same thing, but scaled down. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. And my RV do... shows
0: up in five crates and my RC shows up in five crates. So, yeah.
3: So these things, same. um, yeah, it's a process, but, um, well, I
0: I've seen it cause I helped him, uh, put it in the box and it, it is an amazing airplane, all composite. It's got, uh, all the rivets in yeah. it. I mean, it, it looks literally just like the P 51. If you were to spray, Silver aluminum paint on it, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. It's it's really amazing. wow.
3: And I'm taking a different direction with this one. They did all the work over there. I got to do is put it together and paint it, which is usually I'm like molding these things. Yeah. So, uh, you know, one other last quick thing to talk about is there, there's a community online, rcscalebuilder.com. Uh, all these guys that build these scale airplanes and they share their drawings of all the parts that they draw, whether it be a th- uh, you know a throttle lever in the cockpit or right. whatever. Uh, and they, what's cool, it's a community that they share all this intellectual property and all this time that they've invested into making these parts. And you can go on there and check all this stuff out and see how they're doing it and how they're building it. And it's, it's really kind of cool. Um, but uh, there's a guy on a forum that's building. Of course, it's an F-16 again. Uh, but he, he built a true scale, fifth scale airplane. that's F-16B and made the plug CNC made the plug so it's absolutely perfectly scale glassed it and then he actually put aluminum on it and burnished every single fastener rivet phillips head screw in it and has molded this thing and he's like seven or eight years deep into it um but it's it's one of the most scale air model airplanes i've ever seen this guy's got thousands of hours piled into this thing so but that's just one of many projects that are on there uh, that you can go and take a look at. And, you know, whatever is your favorite kind of airplane, I'm sure you could find it, whether it's all the way from World War One to the stuff that's flying today. Huh. So it's kind of interesting. So, Spencer, are you going to um, get yourself a
2: uh, 3D printer then so that you can uh, make little molds using a 3D printer? You know, uh, you know that's what, another thing I was reading about that uh, somewhere else, and that the guys were using 3D printers, and they were using, the, you know, they'd print out something, use it for a mold, and then they would, you know, exactly. pour... Uh, like plastic into it and make an actual part
3: yep it's not something i've played with yet i've got to get more time on my hands i'm just getting ready to finish school here i've got until april uh i get my finally get my marketing degree done which has nothing to do with flying but that's a whole nother story (laughs) (laughs) and uh i would like to when I, when i get more time yes uh i would like to get a 3d printer and it's just a, it's a lot of time to do it, but it's what a cool way to have that sort of technology at your fingertips where you can rapid prototype any sort of part you could come up with. And I've got friends of mine. In fact, I was just at a friend of mine yesterday. He's actually a scientist, um, an aeronautical scientist that does a lot of miniature turbines and unmanned aerial vehicles. And he's grown and sold companies over the years. And he got into these RC helicopters, you know, that, little 450 size helicopters that he would fly at the same area where I was flying my foamies and stuff at. And, uh, he actually 3d printed his own whole helicopter. Really? I mean, a guy's I would say he's almost retired. You know, he's got one foot in the door. (laughs) And so with his extra time, he has drawn (laughs) his own whole design and put it together. 3d printed and he's literally screwed all the servos into this thing and then used an aftermarket uh, or, uh, you know, like a swashplate head rotor system yeah. off of another helicopter. Right. Uh, but all the mechanics and everything are all 3D printed, and he says it's, his goal was to get the CG as close to the action, which is the rotor head of the helicopter, as possible. And he goes, you wouldn't believe the maneuverability and whatever this aer- uh, helicopter. So I guess, you know, the story. moral of the story is, is that we have this access to the technology we never had before. Or if we need a little motor mount for one of our little airplanes Mm -hmm. or a servo horn or whatever, we can just get on the computer, draw it up and we can have it in literally an hour. It's the coolest thing. Um, but yeah, I definitely want to get one. Uh, I need to start doing some research, figuring out which one to buy. Right. right. Yeah, and by the, time so I, out there now. by the time I pull the trigger, that'll be a dinosaur and I got to restart exactly. the process over. So something I've kind of stuck on the back burner until I can become more invested. But, uh, it's kind of a process because you know, you gotta, you gotta research the printer mm-hmm. the 3d printer and then you gotta research what you need to make and then you gotta figure out how to draw it. So then you gotta learn CAD software. It's pretty time consuming. So, actually, you don't have to years, do all that because Jay has down a, the. Road. What's
0: that website you uh, send everybody to? Oh, on,
3: uh, Makers Mark.
0: Makers yeah. Mark. So yeah, basically, just I call, just go on there and things.
2: let's say I wanted uh, to do. Uh, I have a NanoTalon, and I want a part for that. So I just put in NanoTalon, and then comes up maybe about half a dozen different different parts from. Um, NACA tubes, uh, you know, inlets to, like you said, motor mounts, steerable motor mounts, just all sorts of crazy things that guys come up like. Um, sometimes, the, like with the uh, NanoTalon, it has um, dihedral in it. Well, guys were saying, hey, it makes the plane wobble. It makes it stable for beginners, but for guys who want to really fly it, they want to take out the, uh, the dihedral out of it. So they had to change this one part. So if some guy came up with it. Put it out there for free, and so if you have a printer, you can just download that stuff, print it out, or if you don't have a printer, you just get on there, and they have a site, a couple of, uh, another site that's attached to that, that they have three different makers or three different places you can go put in you know the part that you have, and then it finds in your local area guys who have printers that'll print it up for you. And, you know, like you pay 10 bucks for the part, and you can just drive over to a guy's house and pick it up cuz uh you did that for me right? Yeah, it's uh, truly AK amazing. Mike you, for uh no for uh, uh the transmitter for the back of the transmitter you did that.
1: That's, that's right. Yeah, I did it with the with the um the thing that the module we put in the back didn't have a, a case and so we we w- got a 3D one printed up like right there in Alaska. They just printed it for me and I went over to his house and got yeah. it. Oh, wow, that's it great. amazing. He lived right down the street from Jay. Yeah. <laughs> huh. really convenient. Well, it's a good resource, you know, if
0: you needed something like that. I just uh, – I think I may have mentioned it before, but I was at the field one time where Spencer and I fly, and there was a guy that actually had two airplanes that were all 100% 3D printed, like everything. Those
1: those's got to be heavy. Isn't that amazing? No, it
0: wasn't very heavy at all, actually.
1: Why? Well,
0: because you're thinking of the entire airplane as a solid piece, and he just did the skins. Yeah, the skin oh, and see. then like a honeycomb, yeah, you and a put in the honeycomb structure to keep it light even though right. it's
3: made at all of all plastic. Yeah, he tri- he engineered his way around the the weight penalties of the plastic, which is pretty cool. Which was amazing. So, this website you're talking about uh is it just one of these websites that everybody goes on and shares their drawings of everything that they've drawn and yeah, it's, so it's kind of like Thingiverse or yeah, whatever. Thingiverse. It, it, yeah, Thingiverse. Thingiverse is exactly one of those like websites yep. where they share the drawings. I think this so one's, one's more
0: cool. more based on uh like RC no, no, no. It's like, it scout, is Thingiverse. Thingiverse.
2: Thingiverse is one of, is one of the places oh, that you just put in them? any aircraft you want, and there's a whole bunch of people who okay. make gotcha. parts for it. So it's, it's quite remarkable. And that's remarkable. pretty
3: cool that people are willing to say, hey, I drew this, mm-hmm. and I'll make it available to everybody else. And that's kind of like what got me into that that silly intake thing for the F-16s mm-hmm. is I thought, well, I've got 60, 70 hours invested into making this stupid thing, and all these people are... Failing miserably with their Pringles can, you know. <laughs> right. So I made it available at basically my cost uh, to them, so that way they could have one too. Just help justify my time investment <laughs> in yeah. the silly project. It's amazing. Know. But, so and it, and it kind of turned into a thing where I sold you know yeah, you sold 100 a hundred and something of these things all over the world. So I never saw it turning into that, but uh, it is kind of cool to to know that all this stuff is all over the place. Well,
0: wow, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. So. Well, uh what are the what are your plans in the future there for uh you gotta finish the F sixteen? Or you've already already done that, but the big one. You gotta finish it and you got a couple more projects on the
3: Yeah, so I'm trying to finish the F sixteen for best in the West, which is the big jet event right. uh, in, October, in October, early October. Oh uh, boy, let's see here. I've got uh my Mustangs on the one of the next projects. I'm not sure when I'll get around to that, but uh, it's probably one of the next ones because that way I'll have, you know, I've already got a couple jets flying right. and then I could have a warbird to go fly and go sure. do the warbird events. Um, I'm always, I've always got these little foam airplanes I'm building. As much as I like the bigger stuff, it's kind of nice to go out and fly an airplane that you're not quite so invested in. Yeah. No, you I know, you. Just you. go out and fly and have fun and laugh and crash into your buddies and then, yep. you know, you go build more. So <laughs> I've got, uh, geez, I've got a couple Zaggy kits that are brand new, still laying around that I've. Uh, but it managed to find that hobby stores as I, you know, out flying airline stuff, I'd go on an overnight. And if I had a bunch of time, I'd go rent a car and go check out the hobby stores in that area. Yeah. it's one of the things yeah. I would do. So I think last time I was in San Diego, I walked into the store and I can't remember the name of it, but, uh, the guy had this back room and it was like 40 by 40 and 12 feet tall of airplane kits from the time I started this hobby till now. Wow. And... Basically, he just hoarded all this stuff, and if you wanted any of it, you could go back there and say, hey, do you want to sell that? And nine times out of 10 you could say, yeah, I'll sell it to you and it, for a great price. He was just one of those guys that loved the hobby and kind of like me where he buys too much. He buys it faster than he can build, so sure. then before you know it, the stuff starts piling up. No, nah, we
0: we're all know. in that same boat together.
3: <laughs> but he does it on a totally because to he owns a hobby trip. store it's on a sure. different level, than <laughs> <the> <laughs> level. <laughs> he buys it by the truckload yes so, so i, I anyway i got a couple of zaggies that he had laying around there, you know some of the original ones that you can't really get anymore and uh, so i got a couple of those i'd like to build because i got a couple of ho- uh, hills near my house where i can do some slope soaring right. zaggies are durable enough to where if i don't catch it and i have to land it in the rocks or land it in the right. bush it doesn't destroy it sure like it would these nice composite airplanes that you know, I was used to flying out in California. <laughs> so wow, I might get a couple funny. of those going. I'd like to get a 3D kind of foamy going to fly in my backyard. I've got a acre and a half lot, so I've got a little bit of room in my backyard. I can actually kind of fly in the yard or fly out in front of the house in the street. Um, but I try to keep it, you know, a little lightweight stuff, so that way if something happens, it doesn't destroy in my house or somebody's well i have i have a uh
0: twisted hobbies and they're always yeah, really so good those are I, I like those yeah they're they're good to fly in your backyard and kind of do what you need to do so
3: so you know i'll have to get something like that going i uh, the little crack beaver is yeah that's, that's what i have a cool little crack one. turbo yeah. beaver yeah, yeah.
0: See? jay actually got it for me well spencer uh we loved having you on the podcast thank you very much for spending time with us i hope you'll come back well thanks for having me
3: yeah we might have to make this uh a regular deal, yeah. yeah
0: it's uh, it's pretty convenient because he's local, you know. So I can just kind of come over and well, you're over there and, uh, half the time anyway,
2: so it just works out really well that way, <laughs> is not it? <laughs> that's
3: true. I just bring the podcast. <laughs> yes. I know, right? My garage is the project, or it's the building place of many airplanes, most of which aren't mine. You know, we've that's got true. another mutual friend, Barry. That's we did some painting. Uh, on his airplane, it's, it was a jet, but he had had a couple stress cracks and stuff here and there where he had landed the plane out in the desert after an engine failure. And we were doing some repairs, kind of like what you were talking about, Jay, with fixing your airplane and trying to make it look as good afterwards as it did before. And so we were painting in the garage and it's 110 degrees outside and we're in the garage, just dripping sweat trying to paint this thing and i'm using fat uh, slow reducer for the paint because it's oh, catalyzed yeah. paint yeah. but it's so hot that even that's cooking off too fast <laughs> and there's dust everywhere it's a disaster so <laughs> we had to go back to the store and buy the ultra slow reducer which is only good to 95 degrees which means that we can only paint between 6 and like 9 a.m right so yeah, the the garage here. Uh, luckily, I've got a pretty good sized three car garage and a couple good sized workbenches out there. So a lot of my buddies are bringing airplanes over, and we're all constantly futzing with something. This is true. We do. And so, uh, so yeah, we got to get get that airplane done today right that f-16 yeah. and then a couple of things get done i guess figure out what other projects we'll have in the future here yeah. but there's always something going well on. spence
2: i got a project what? that we could probably put together mike and i bought like a whole bunch of gws planes you know what that is right okay so they they were on sale like a year or two ago and we bought like six or eight or twelve of them it sounds to me like that would be a perfect glass project for glassing one of those planes oh, yeah? since they're
3: you know Bring him over. I know you're a little bit of a drive. Yeah, well, I bring him was over. supposed to be out we'll there, you
2: know, a couple of months ago.
0: But you can
3: always uh, move to Phoenix.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's right.
0: That's He's right. melting away that's in Texas. Right. Phoenix is a little hot. Well,
3: probably when it gets a Just little minus cooler, the
0: humidity,
2: but, uh, I'll probably be back
3: out there soon enough. So yeah, yeah, be good. We'll good. Be, be good to see you.
0: Well, it's been great having everybody on this podcast, and we've loved having Spencer on. We're going to have him uh, more often, I think. We do have a Facebook page. Uh, if you have a question for Spencer, go ahead and drop it on the Facebook page. I think he's uh, got access to it as well, so he's on there occasionally. Uh, it's um, at Park Flyer Podcast uh, there at Facebook. Uh, we, I just mentioned, I think last time I sent out a note, that we're on Spotify now, I too, so we're yeah. excited about that. Now. And that's a big so, thing on the
3: Facebook where – this gives us a way to interact with the listeners, because otherwise it's kind of Correct. a one-way deal. Here, it is. Right? We, we record it is, yeah, and then yeah. you listen, yeah. and that's the end of it. So now you actually can <laughs> hopefully interact with some of us. Uh, if you had questions about anything that we've talked about or maybe suggestions on topics to yeah. cover or just kind of yeah. a way to get to know the listeners and have that two-way dialogue. So it would be cool if you guys got on there and let us know your thoughts. It would be cool. Very cool.
0: Well, you guys got anything going this week?
2: Not that I could think of. It's, it's, like I said, it's too hot <laughs> for me to leave the house.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. It's getting cooler, though. Mike, what about you? You uh, still haven't found a field.
1: Nope. I, I still I need to spend some more time uh, focusing on that. But now that it is getting cooler here, um, I'm, yeah. I'll be doing that.
0: Well, very cool. Well, we're looking forward to the report on, uh, on the field thing. And it shouldn't be difficult because you went to California and found all those fields out there, no problem at all. I don't understand why it's so hard in Texas.
1: Well, it's harder in Texas for two reasons. One is every place is an, at least an hour away. Oh, nice. And so I don't even know what yeah, the like, like what the wind is out there or whatever. And then I don't know if anybody's going to be there. Like most of the sites I went to, nobody was even there when I got there. i got to figure out when they're going to be there, and i got to figure out, like, you know, what's the best time to go? But I'm guessing that people don't show up because it's too hot outside. <laughs> so You never know. So they just don't people go. People show
0: up here all the time. They're there almost every morning, I think. Here at yeah, five in the morning. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah.
1: But I, I, I'm just saying that the, yeah, in even, the, in, even the case, in the early. a lot of us yeah, are so diehard
3: that we'll go out there at five, 4 yeah. or 5 p.m. It's still 110, but at least the sun's going down, so it makes it somewhat yeah. tolerable.
1: Well, and, and other times I've gone, there's just been, I got lucky one time, that's it. Out of all the times I, and if, one place I can't even get into because it's locked, and I'm not a member, right. so I can't get into the well, field. So, so Let's we'll see if we can't look uh, up, some, yeah, look up some, some sites for you to go find. Yeah, it's just mostly bad luck, really.
0: <laughs> <laughs> eh, if it wasn't for bad luck, there we would you know. have no luck at all. I'll bump it. <laughs> Well, fellas, thank you very much for uh, joining us here tonight. We hope you have a great week and uh, get out and go fly. I know it's getting uh, cooler in some of the areas of the uh, of the world, so get out there and uh, push those RC airplanes up in the sky and come back and jump on Facebook. And tell us how your week went. For Michael here in
1: Arizona, Jay from the hills of Texas, and AK Mike in Texas. We appreciate it, and we'll see you in two weeks. See ya. Let's fly. You have been listening to the Park Flyer Podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to your next visit. Please give our show a star rating and review, and feel free to email us your questions, topics, or suggestions to heartflyerpodcast at gmail.com.